Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor, Daryl Feemster. Welcome to New Covenant Church. Glad y'all are here. Happy birthday to the United States of America. 245 years ago today, the wheels were set into motion to make this the freest, most independent, most wonderful place in the world to live because of the sacrifice of our forefathers and the wheels they set into motion that day, 245 years ago today. You can be right here praising God the way you want to uh, and be free to do so without any oversight from any oppressive government or anyone else telling you how to do it. Uh, Amen. It's a beautiful thing to be in this country today. If you're joining us online, thank you for being here. We're glad that you've joined us. Uh, Please feel free to settle in as we get ready for praise and worship. If you're here in person, please feel free to worship with your tithes and offerings in one of the wooden boxes that are located around the auditorium or outside in the lobby. We also have the elements of the Lord's Supper at any time during the service. If you would like to remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross, we have the elements of the supper set up on both sides of the stage at tables and back by the sound booth and just avail yourself to that at any time. We have a special presentation this morning. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Darrell. Let him make the introduction. We're going to start off a little bit different today because we want to honor our nation. James Welch, if you would, come on up here. James Welch served as a U.S. Marine from 1951 to 1954. He served in Korea for 13 months. Twelve of those being in combat zone. And James would like to honor our flag this morning with a reading. We have independence and freedom that is being questioned today. So I I pray that everybody uh, bends to the knee. I have a prayer that I say every night. It has to do with the three R's and it's not reading, writing, or arithmetic. It's repentance, revival, and restoration. If you repent, you'll have revival. And if you have revival, you'll restore this nation back to the way it was created. This morning uh, at our morning uh, prayer, uh, this lady wrote this, and I thought it was very, very appropriate. Our country's independence came at a high price. Lives were upended. Courage was tested. Battles were won and lost. We made Independence Day a celebration of excess with lavish displays in the sky and fun. It's easy to forget the price paid when in our minds. talk to you about this flag first. It's ironic that this flag takes this flag takes 13 folds to get it into this position. There's 13 original states. This flag is folded such that the red does not show. And that's because of the blood that was shed. The blues and the whites That's the indication of the evening blue skies with the stars standing down. 
This is a story, a, uh, I guess you could call it a poem, written by I Am Old Glory by a fellow by the name of Howard Schadenheimer. I am the flag of the United States of America. I fly atop the world's largest buildings. I stand watch in America's halls of justice. I stand side by side with Maple Leaf on the world's longest undefended border. I fly majestically over institutions of learning. I stand guard with power in the world. Look up and see me. I stand for peace, honor, truth, and justice. I stand for freedom. I am confident, I am arrogant, and I am proud. When I am flown with my fellow banners, my head is a little higher, my color is a little truer. I am recognized all over the world. I am saluted, I am loved, I am respected, and I am feared. I have fought in every battle of every war for more than 200 years. I was flown at Valley Forge, Gettysburg, Shiloh, Appomattox. I was there at San Juan Hill, the trenches of France, in the Aragon Forest, Anzio, Rome, and the beaches of Normandy, Guam, Okinawa, Korea, Quezon, Saigon, Vietnam, Nomi, I was there. I led my troops. I was dirty, battle-worn, and tired. But my soldiers cheered me, and I was proud. I've been burned, torn, and trampled on the streets of countries I helped set free. It does not hurt, for I am invincible. I have been soiled upon, burned, torn, and trampled on the streets of my country. And when it is by those whom I served in battle, it hurts. But I shall overcome, for I am strong. I have slipped the bonds of earth and stood watch over the uncharted frontiers of space with my vantage point on the moon. I have borne silent witness to all of America's first honors. But my finest hours are yet to come. When I'm torn into stripes and used as bandages for my wounded comrades on the battlefield, when I'm flown at half-mast to honor my soldiers, or when I lie in the trembling arms of grieving parents at the graves of their fallen sons and daughters, I am proud. My name is Old Glory. Long may I wave. If y'all don't mind, if we would stand and sing, God bless America. Foam. God bless America, my home. 
Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Happy Independence Day. Great place to live in America, that's right. God bless America. We live in the greatest country on earth in our time. I believe that. Please don't take it for granted. We are free because our forefathers and those who have gone before us knew why to fight and how to fight. And uh, I'm praying that God will call and raise up that same kind of people in our day. People who know why to fight and people who know how to fight. We've been looking at King David, David in the Old Testament, and in First Samuel 17. There are 66 chapters in the Old Testament it takes to tell us David's life. Kind of think that he's important. David was called a man after God's own heart. Acts 13.22 says, And when God had removed him, Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he, God, gave the testimony. Can you imagine God testifying? And he said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Note those last words, who will do all my will. He will do everything that I want, that I purpose, and that I plan. That's the key to understanding a man after God's heart. He'll do whatever God wants. So I want us to continue this morning looking at what David is probably best known for. It's the story that most of you will remember. It's the story of David and Goliath, the battle with Goliath. And so much of the time we have learned this in our youth that we think we know the story. And there is so much more to the account that we, than we usually consider. Last week we talked about Goliath the intimidator. And uh, the word intimidate means to induce with fear or induce fear or a sense of inferiority in another. Goliath was a loudmouth. And uh, his point, he, he had three tactics of intimidation. He wanted to accentuate his strength. He stood nine foot nine inches tall. He was robed, dressed to kill. Uh, he, and he was vocal about it. He was a loud mouth. Number two, he stole the narrative. He was the only one talking and the only one being heard. I want to say something. He was the only one talking and the only one being heard. Sometimes we are listening to the only one talking and not hearing the one that we need to hear. Take that as you want. And then the number three, diminishing identity. He, he called the people servants of Saul and the armies of Israel instead of calling them the servants of God and the covenant people of God and the armies of the living God. In other words, he changed everything. And... So how do you stop an intimidator? How do you stop a giant? Well, sometimes you got to fight. Sometimes we got to know why to fight and how to fight. Sometimes we're going to have... Folks, listen, there's a fight coming. In our world today, there's a fight coming. The first thing we got to know is why, why to fight. And the second thing we got to know is how to fight. And I'm going to give you both those things this morning. Aren't you glad you came today? You're going to know why to fight and how to fight. David 
at the time of his fight with Goliath was probably between the ages of 15 and 18. He was probably, because he wasn't old enough to be in the army yet. He's not a soldier. He had to be 20 to be in the army. And David was not, but his, two, his three older brothers were. They were there. But David shows up and he hears Goliath's defiance disgracing the army. And immediately there's, there's this dichotomy, this exposure between what the armies of Israel believed and what David believed. It, it, it just showed the stark difference between David and the armies of Israel. For 40 days they had been cowering on their side, afraid to fight. David shows up, not ready for a fight. David didn't come to fight, he came to see. He came to feed his brothers and check out for his dad. But there's a fight that's going to happen. The difference between David and everybody else is Saul and the army believes Goliath and David believes God. The army's believing the only one they're listening to. David's believing the one he's been listening to. And I want you to hear me. They're believing the report on the field. They're believing the the local media. They're believing the national media. And it's in a bad way. Things are in a bad way. Goliath is big. And he's bad. And there's nobody that can fight him. David's been listening to a covenant God who has made covenant with his people and said, I'll be with you always. I'll make a way. No one can stand before me. David's been listening to a higher media. They believe Goliath. David believes, believes God. What I'm telling you is, right here, is I want you to know why David was going to fight. 1 Samuel 17, 25, the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Have you seen this guy? I mean, he's, he's, he's too big to hit. Verse 26, David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, when I read that the first time, and, and, and many times when I read it, I was just, the words that stood out to me was David was saying, who, what's going to be for the man who kills this Philistine? And I, I was just looking at the fight, the, the killing. But look at why there was a fight. Why David was ready to fight. Who's going to take away the reproach? Who's going to deal with this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. For David, it wasn't just about killing. It was about taking away the disgrace, the blasphemy, the reproach, the attack on their God. Verse 31 of 17. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they were reported to them to Saul, and he sent for them. And then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Fifteen-year-old David. 
I'll take him on. I'll take him on. There's going to be a fight. But before we get to the fight, you do realize nobody believed him, and most of us don't either. Who are you to go to a fight? Samuel didn't see him when he went to the house of Jesse. Jesse didn't see him because he left him out in the field. Eliab and his brothers didn't see him. Now Saul's all doing the same thing. They're looking at David and looking and sizing him up. They're looking at David and looking at his appearances, his size, his weight, his abilities. They're supposed they're supposing his abilities. They're looking at the outside and they're missing the man on the inside. Eliab, his brother, accused him of going to gawk at the battle, verse 28, and then being prideful and insolent. Saul takes one look at him and look at verse 33. Saul said to David, you're not able. You can't do it. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. And it's amazing, David has an interesting way of defending himself. He reminds the king, basically in our vernacular, here's what David is essence saying. Hey, king, I'm no wimp. You know, the lion came, and the bear came, and it took a lamb, and I chased it down, took the lamb out of its mouth, took it by its beard, struck it, and killed it. Wasn't no sling, wasn't no sword, wasn't no staff. It's just me and the lion, me and the bear, and God delivered me. Look at verse, look at verse uh, 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Did you see that again? His reason for fighting. He wasn't looking to whoop a giant. He was looking to defend the glory of God. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, Moreover David said, Lord, who delivered me? The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. It's interesting. Y'all know I love to do word studies. The same Hebrew word is used for paw and hand. So literally he could have said, the God who delivered me from the hand of the lion and from the hand of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine or the paw of this Philistine. David says it was the Lord who delivered him. And he uses the word, in King James, it'll spell it with all caps, capital L, capital O-R-D, Lord. And it means, it's a, it's a way of, of using the word Yahweh or Jehovah. It's the covenant name of God. In other words, it's the, the name that God gave Moses. And David says, it's the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God who delivered me. And He will deliver me. You see... David remembers God's faithfulness and he's confident that the covenant-keeping God will come through again, seeing that this army, this Philistine, has defied the armies of the living God. It's about God's glory. It's not about winning a battle. It's about God's glory, not about David. We need to remember when we're facing a fight why we're fighting and who we're fighting for. Verse 37, the end of it, it says, And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. (laughs) 
Heaven knows you're going to need it, Saul was thinking. You're going to need him. In fact, I'm not even sure the Lord will go with you. He's too big. He's too so. He's too much of a warrior. So look at verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor. And that word armor in the Hebrew literally just means he put his own clothes on David. And he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. You remember, all those things were the things that, that described Goliath. He had a bronze helmet. He had a coat of mail. He had a sword. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk at these. For I have not tested them. So David took them off. That's a key word in the story of David and Goliath. He took it off. He took off the armor. He took off the helmet. He took off the things of Saul. Here's the thing that I want you to see. Everybody's expecting the fight to be on Goliath's terms. They thought they are going to have a sword fight. Javelin. It's going to be fist to cuffs to the max. Even Saul and the army of Israel was expecting a battle to be fought Goliath's way. Have you ever wondered why Saul would have put on put his clothes on David? Saul, remember, he's head and shoulders above all the other Israelites, so he's probably 6'6", six, 6'8". Six, six, Saul being 6'8", puts his clothes on a 15-year-old. Puts his helmet on a 15-year-old. Can you see him shaking his head and the helmet going? Put his coat of mail on him. Put his sword. Now, Saul was a big man. You know he had a sword. It was a king's sword. Why was Saul putting his clothes on him? Only two reasons that I can see. One is he thinks if the dude really does go out there and win, they'll think it's me. The other reason to be, if he goes out there and gets killed, at least the whole army will know, I did all that I could to equip him for battle. But whatever Saul's thinking, I can tell you it's about Saul. What's going to save face for me, what's going to make me look good, what's going to keep me in my status as king. The only thing David cares about is about a giant... That's disrespecting God. And nobody's doing anything about it. Not even Saul. It wasn't just because the... See, sometimes it's preached that David didn't have skill. We know later David was a mighty man of God, a warrior. It wasn't that David didn't know how to use a sword. He did. But this, the thing that was the truth here is that's not fitting the, the situation that we're in now. It's not fitting me. And I take it off. And I want you to, I want you to, I hope you'll see what I saw. This is not the way the battle's going to be fought. It wasn't going to be with weapons of flesh, but with weapons of true power. David wasn't going to fight the world's way but the way that was true to who he already was. Now, I want you to hear me, folks. Listen, in America, there's coming a fight. There's coming a fight. And everybody's expecting this fight to be according to the world's methods, the world's system. 
This fight that's coming between God and unrighteousness is not going to be fought with the flesh, with weapons of the flesh, but mighty through God. And I want you to understand that because David gives us a perfect picture of what it means to know why you're fighting and then knowing how to fight. Because David's not going to get caught up in the world's way of fighting this battle. He's listening and defending the one he's trusting to deliver him. I'm trusting God to deliver America. I'm trusting God. You say, well, we need to fight. Yeah, but we need to know why we're fighting and we need to know how to fight. And it's not a fight of the flesh. Votes ain't going to get it. Hear me. There needs to be a change in the heart of America. A restoration, as James said. Okay, that one's free. The world expects the battle to be by the dictates of the enemy, the world system. In other words, you fight fire with fire, not according to God. The battle is the Lord's. David took them off. We're going to have to change our focus from weaponry of this world to what God has already prepared in us. And I want you to listen to me. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 through 6 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let me give you a definition of the obedience of Christ. I'll do whatever He says. Now look at this. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When I'm doing exactly what God's called me, gifted me, equipped me to do, God is going to do the rest. The battle's the Lord. So David stood before Goliath. I want you to hear me. He stood before Goliath clothed in the simplicity of who he was and what he was. He was a shepherd boy who was standing up for the glory of God. No armor, no armor bearer, no shield, no sword, no helmet, no coat of mail, just David. Can you feel the freedom in that? You know what the Lord wants from us? Just be you. I've been at work in you, getting you ready. Everything you've gone through in your life has been preparation for what I want to do in your life. I've already been... Don't try to fight the world's battle the world's way. Don't try to kill your giant the world the way everybody else says you are. Just be you. What an insult to a God who has spent giving His Son for you and given Himself to you to say, I've got to do it some other way. I've got to be different than I am. Just be you. The redeemed you, the right you, the God who made you, you. There's a freedom there that no one can take away from you. Verse 40. I'm going to tell you, David had a secret weapon. We're going to talk about the fight now. How to fight. David had a secret weapon. Everybody thinking they know what it is. David had a secret weapon. Look at verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in the shepherd's bag. These, these stones were 
about the size of golf balls. They've recovered, historians, archaeologists have recovered slings and stones. He put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch that he had. And, and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Verse 42, And when the Philistine looked and saw about and saw David, he disdained him. He is disgusted with him. For he was only a youth. I mean, you know, why send out a kid? You just, you're going to slaughter this. I'm going to slaughter this boy. He was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. Isn't it amazing? He keeps telling him he's good looking. It's what my wife says. You're good looking. She lies to me. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Now listen, this is an important word to hear because I'm going to remind you of it later. The Philistine cursed David by his gods. He cursed David by his gods. And now they're going to have a war of words. Verse 44, And Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. One verse. David says, I'll take that curse and I'll raise you three. <laughs> Look what he says. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'll strike you and take your head from you. And this day I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Three verses. I'm not only going to whoop you, I'm going to take your head, and then I'm going to take the heads of all your people. Fifteen years old. Goliath boasts in his own strength and the power of his God. David trusts in the name of the Lord. Here's David's secret weapon. It's not his sling. It's not his stone. It's not his skill. It's not his ability. It's not his power. He has nothing in his own mind. It's not about him. He's coming in the name of Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, of the, the living God of the armies of Israel. And the God of this, this God you've defied, today He will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you, and you will know it. And I'll remove your head from you. <laughs> a nine foot nine man listening to a 15 year old. The secret weapon was the name. The word name in Hebrew is Shem. And the way that it's, David, it's, it's like our, our current term would be power of attorney or a legal right to represent another. But in the Hebrew, to come in the name of Yahweh means to come in Yahweh's presence, in His power, in His authority, and according to His divine appointment. Folks, listen to me. This wasn't just a military battle anymore. Never was. Israel thought it was. The Philistines thought it was. This is a, this is a theological battle on the field. The whole world is going to know that there's a God in Israel. 
It's going to be demonstrated publicly that God is superior, that the Lord, Yahweh, is superior over all other gods. And I want to tell you, this is not going to be a fair fight. Verse 48. I know I'm just reading you the story, but listen to it. Goliath moved, as Goliath moved closer to, to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Can you see the little spindly-legged 15-year-old running toward a giant? Got his sling in his hand. He took a stone. He's headed for him. Can you see it? I can see David's brothers turn their back and close their eyes. Embarrassed that this kid's about to get killed. King Saul must have sighed and said, He's done for. And all the Philistines were in an uproar. And all of Israel was deathly quiet. But David was running toward him. Goliath throws back his head and laughs. Let me ask you a question. Who's betting on David that day? Yeah. Who's betting on David? You, you think... Uh, you think there was it was it two to one? Ten to one? Who put the money on the kid from Bethlehem? Not the Philistines, not the Hebrews, not David's brothers, not even David's king. There's only one person betting on David that day. God. Yahweh, the covenant keeper. Verse forty nine. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, he takes out a stone. He hurls it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell down on the ground, face down on the ground. (laughs) So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Little 15-year-old boy running. You can hear it. Plump. Fight's over. Can you imagine the eyes of the Philistines? Goliath laying face down. Nine foot nine, stretched out. That's probably when they measured him. It's a quick fight. They're all preparing for a battle. It's already done. It's over. I'm going to show my age. Do y'all remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? you remember when he comes down the street of this city and then all of a sudden the people part and there's this big guy there with swords and swinging, swinging, swinging and then he just takes out his gun and he pop. That's what you get the idea. Just suddenly, all the hoopla, all the braggart, all the intimidation, everything, everybody's telling what, everybody's taking, can you imagine? All of a sudden, it's over. Goliath is laying face down in the ground with a golf ball in the front of his forehead. Listen to this. Then David ran over and pulled out Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and to cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. They were listening to what David said. After I take your head, I'm taking theirs. And they boogie. And all of a sudden, the next verse says that Israel shouts. Isn't that funny? They've been quiet all this time. 
Now they're shouting. Israel shouts. Verse 52, the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Akron. And the bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sherim as far as Gath and Akron. Shouts of triumph now? Now you're going to fight? Yeah, now. Because they suddenly saw the enemy was defeated. He wasn't a champion after all. He was just a big mouth with a big head and now it lay on the ground. You need to hear that. There's a big mouth that's been telling you lies a lot. A big lie is being said out into the airways in the heavenlies. But his head has been cut off. And you've got to understand the reason you know how to fight is you have a secret weapon. It's the name of the Lord. And He defends His name. Goliath is conquered. Now, verse 54 is strange to me. David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. Now, they're fighting in the south of Jerusalem, south of Bethlehem. It's miles away from Jerusalem. David takes the head of the Philistine. Now you've probably, if you've seen Christian art, you've probably seen little David with a big head. Not his head, but another head in his hands. I'm not going to talk about that except this. When David held up the hands and the enemy boogied, he kept the head and he carries it to Jerusalem. Can you imagine all of Israel lining the road as he's going to Jerusalem? David, let's see the head! He holds it up. He's showing the world that there's a God in Israel. He takes the enemy's head. And he puts it in his tent. <laughs> Wait, and puts the armor, Saul's armor, not Saul's, Goliath's armor in his tent. <laughs> Do you realize David didn't have a tent? He wasn't a soldier, he was a shepherd. He lived out in the field with the sheep. He didn't have a tent. Well, what tent did he put it in? Well, it says that all of Israel came back to get the spoils of the Philistines. I got an idea. I don't know if it's true or not. But whose tent do you think David would have chosen? Goliath's tent. Big boy's tent. Suddenly, little 15-year-old David is sleeping in a giant's facility with all of his armor and with the head at the foot of the bed. Because he's victor. He's not victim. You've got to understand you're not victim. Through the blood of Jesus Christ and the mighty name of the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant keeper, you have the victory. Now, I gotta, I gotta get quick. The battle's the Lord's. Do you remember I told you about? Remember Goliath cursed David by the name of his gods. The chief Philistine god was Dagon. Dagon. The first First Samuel chapter five tells a story 
Israel has done some silly things and the Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant which represented the presence of God with His people, represented the Shekinah glory, the mercy seat, all of that. The Ark of the Covenant. And they captured the Ark of the Covenant. And when they captured the Ark of the Covenant, they did what most pagan societies do. They take that that uh, defeated army's God and they place it in the temple of their God to show them that their God is greater than the, the loser's God. And so they take the Ark of the Covenant, First Samuel chapter 5, just the first few verses, you ought to read it. Uh, they take Dagon's, uh, take the Ark of the Covenant and put it in Dagon's temple. And the next morning when they came in to, to worship, the Ark of the Covenant's there and Dagon's statue is falling face forward in a worship position toward the Ark. Man, the wind must have blowed hard last night. So they set the statue back up. Dagon, Ark of the Covenant. They come in the next day, and not only is the statue fallen over, but its head is broken off, and its hands are broken off, and all that remains is just the stump. The head of Dagon is broken off. You get it? Goliath cursed him in the name of Dagon. And God says, what happened to Dagon's going to happen to you. His head is removed. There's no God like our God. I don't care how many gods they're going to raise up and how great they're going to say, there's no God like our God. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Psalms 20, verse 7. I'll be through. Some trust in chariots. Some in horses. That's the world's way. But we will remember the name of the Lord, Yahweh, our God. You have the same secret weapon that David has. What giants are you facing in your life right now? What media are you believing in your head right now? You can't. This is the way it's always going to be. Da, da, da. The name of the Lord. You see, there was one who was lifted above the earth that died 2,000 years ago, taking care of every sin and Satan and every accusation and every penalty that he had against you. And he nailed it to a cross. And on the third day, when he came out of that grave, he was carrying a head with him. The devil knows he has but a short time. And he's come down with great wrath. But they, let me tell you, your giant's head, you can hold in your hand because of Jesus. You may have to fight. Know why you're fighting. It's the glory of God. And know how to fight. It's not the world's way. It's not flesh and blood. I'm gonna, I have a secret weapon. I have the name of the Lord Jesus. And at my name, every knee will bow. Things in earth, things under the earth, everything. Do you know Him? Do you know him as the giant killer? Let me tell you, when's the last time you picked up that head and knew you're no longer a victim? 
You're the victor. Pick it up. The Lord set you free this morning. Every lie that you've believed, it's just that. It's a lie. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Bow with me in prayer. Father, we bless you and thank you. We trust you. Lord, it's time we hold up the head of the enemy that's been lying to us. Personally, in our nation, in our world. Thank you, Lord. You've already told us what the end's going to be. We're going to take you for it. Take your name. And we're going to take your word. And we're going to apply it. You alone, Lord, you alone are worthy of glory and power, majesty, and worship. And we worship you today. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Let us show us the victory. And we'll walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together with me? Evan's going to lead us and I invite you to join with him in this last song. Don't you walk out of here without knowing what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and let Him establish it. Let me tell you, every giant He brought before your face today, right now, is already defeated. You see, Goliath was already whipped before he ever walked out on the battlefield because he defied God. The war's already won, but there's going to be a fight. Know why we fight. Let's know how to fight. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 